Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future is Bilingual podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Whether it's your first time or you've been listening all along, I really appreciate it. If you are enjoying the podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend um, or sharing it on your social media feed. And if you do share on social media, please tag me at the Future is Bilingual. I'd really appreciate it. Today, I have an interview with Amy who is a trilingual mom raising her two daughters trilingually. So similar to my previous guest, Tommy, she has experience on both sides of the coin, being raised multilingually and now being a parent of multilingual children. And she brings a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom to this interview. So I hope that you will get as much out of it as I did. I was very excited to interview her. Um, I did have a little bit of a delay in getting this interview out because I was participating in the Polyglot Conference, which was a 10-day event, which they've now extended a little bit. It's online this year due to COVID. So if you um, are interested in languages, I suggest checking them out. So it's polyglotconference.com. That was also hosted uh, in conjunction with Langfest Montreal. Um, So go check out those two amazing organizations. They have conferences every year. Um, I'm so glad that I was able to participate and I hope to continue to participate in the future. And if you are someone that I met during that, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. Welcome, Amy, to the Future is Bilingual podcast. Thank, Thank you so you. much for agreeing to be on the show. Thank you, Heather. It's such a pleasure to speak with you, as I only know you um, through your online personality. So Instagram, you have an amazing blog, and we will put all the links in the show notes so that listeners can check out more of what you do. And mm-hmm. I only just discovered your you blog in English and in French. So I found your blog in French, too, which mm-hmm. is great for me um, to keep up with my French. So awesome. So much uh, good work on your end. So can you uh, tell our listeners just a basic introduction about you, um, about your family, um, whatever you'd like to include in that? Mm -hmm. So, well, I'm Amy. I'm uh, a mother of two. I've got uh, a daughter aged eight and another one who's four. And uh, I'm married to a Spaniard, but I'm actually French and we live in France. Great. And so uh, you're older daughter is in school well would have been in school presumably um, yeah. and your younger one as well when does schooling yes. usually start yeah absolutely they're both in a french school uh, primary okay. and nursery school okay is that normal in france what age does school normally start uh, it's just changed actually uh since oh. last year now uh, it's compulsory from age three uh to uh to start nursery school before it was optional but uh it's wow. just changed but it was the majority of you know they changed it because it was already a reality about 98 percent of uh of parents uh put their children at nursery school age three anyway so wow it's a huge majority. That's awesome. Yeah, we don't have that, as you probably know, in the States. Yeah. So that's great. What are your family languages then? So our family languages are um, Spanish, obviously, with daddy. And um, I speak in English to my daughters um, to give them an extra language. <laughs> and not a tiny one, obviously. Uh, English is, uh, 
is very widely uh, widely spoken so it was really yeah, to give them that uh, that uh, extra mile <laughs> extra benefit and how did did you and your husband discuss this before how did you come to that decision or was it just obvious was it something you always wanted to do it um well before i met my husband i always thought that if i married um, a french person then yes i would pass on a language and it would probably be english because it's uh, mm -hmm. the one i feel most comfortable with um, but given the circumstances and uh, I married a Spaniard, I thought, well, okay, let's uh, pass on Spanish and uh, I thought French, but uh, my husband had the idea to, that I should speak in English and uh, oh. so off we went. <laughs> okay, so you originally thought two is good, we'll just yeah. do Spanish and French. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. Mm. And uh, that's great that he kind of pushed you towards still yeah. going with English. Yeah, they, they can be great, you know, they can be grateful to their dad for that extra language. <laughs> or grateful or no. curious him, I don't know, because at the moment sometimes. No. Yeah, <laughs> I think even if it's a struggle, I don't think there's any bilingual person that was raised as a child that would have, that would say like, oh, I regret the fact that my parents taught me. Absolutely. I've yeah. never met one and God knows I've met a lot of bilinguals. I've never had one saying that they regret it. Mm -hmm. But many people do say that they regret. We talked about this in my previous episode with Tommy. Many mm -hmm. people regret that they didn't learn a language younger. Mm -hmm. um, their family didn't pass on the family language. So mm -hmm. I think I think you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Although it's difficult, as you write about in many of your posts and your mm -hmm. blog. So I, I just before we move on, what languages did you know from your childhood? And what about your husband? Were you raised monolingual, bilingual? You say mm -hmm. you're very you're most comfortable in English. So yeah. tell us about that. So my, my husband was raised monolingual, mm -hmm. but he's always been keen to learn English. So he's always made efforts to go <clears throat> to English lessons. He's always been interested and he's uh, done a few university <coughs> exchanges to have the opportunity to, uh, to pick up English and even French. Um, on the other hand, I was raised uh, trilingually. <coughs> my parents were French, but we moved to Spain when I was a kid. And uh, there were a lot of uh, English schools where uh, we moved. And my mm -hmm. dad just, you know, the light bulb went on and thought, hey, if I put her in a, an English school, she'll learn both mm -hmm. English and Spanish. And uh, that's, what, that's what happened, and I did. But in the wow. And what language did you speak at home? <laughs> French. French? Yes. French? Okay, so were very, French was the home language. Yeah, they were very conscious that uh, we had to keep French at home. Uh, because I couldn't pick it up from school. Uh, the, well, the French that was taught at school was for second, you know, as a second language. And obviously, uh, asking a bus ticket is not an issue for me. It was more, you know, more, keeping more sophisticated uh, French, more advanced. <clears throat> yeah, we have that issue. Well, not issue, but that happens often in the United States. Um, a lot of Spanish speakers, mm -hmm. some of them will take Spanish as just an easy A. Mm -hmm. um, but still sometimes the writing, because I taught French and Spanish in high school and some of them, you know, they, they weren't good with writing. They weren't good mm -hmm. with different like irregular verbs and things yeah. like that. So mm -hmm. um, it is. Did you ever have schooling in French? I had schooling in French till the age of nine because as I, oh. I lived in France till the age of nine. Um, then the issue was keeping it. So when we moved to Spain, the issue was keep, keeping it, and especially the written side, the literacy. Um, yeah. So I did have uh, homework in French during the holidays. <laughs> uh, I cursed my mom at the time, but I'm very grateful now. 
um, because yeah. obviously it helped me a lot. And when I moved back to France, uh, it helped me, you know, professionally. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I just remember I, when I lived in France, you would see those cahiers d'été. Like yes. Summer work <laughs> that is like a thing. I don't think we have that in the U.S. I mean, it probably exists. My kids are still young. So mm -hmm. maybe I haven't looked into it. But it's like a popular thing for parents. Because like, I would, you know, frequent the bookstores and see these summer workbooks. And I was like, mm -hmm. what is this? <laughs> well, there's loads of them. And even in Spain, actually, you have them. Um, yep. uh, it's like, maybe it's a European thing uh, I wouldn't yeah. be able to say for the other countries um, but yeah I had that in French every summer and uh, you know okay. during the other holidays too I'd have to have dictations and, and these kinds of things <clears throat> oh yeah very French. so you had a very French upbringing yeah. <laughs> by the sounds of it mm. la dictée oh, yeah. Yeah. all yeah. those wonderful but I mean but now the result is that you're this like wonderful trilingual mix you had schooling mm -hmm. you had English for school, French for school, but then mm -hmm. the home language is French. You had Spanish mm -hmm. as the community language mm -hmm. at a young age. Yeah. That's really wonderful. So mm -hmm. you're your husband and, and you then share your three languages. Yes. So what do you speak yourselves? We, uh, if we don't have the kids around, we can mix. But um, when the kids are around, it's always Spanish. Uh, mm -hmm. Or I can speak in English to the girls. It doesn't matter because my husband speaks English, so he knows what I'm saying. Um, there's no mm -hmm. issue of, of feeling excluded from the conversation. Yeah. And that is, that's really great. I don't think a lot of families have that option. Like maybe yes. in the Opal situation, mm. one partner might not know the home language with the other um, yeah. or the native language. You guys are in a very fortunate situation that True. everybody speaks everybody's languages. And mm. I mean, you do all sorts of kind of games and jokes and mm -hmm. French and Spanish close so that's probably helpful as well yeah wow that is that's really great you guys are like the perfect example your childhood and now the way you're raising your kids you have a lot of experience I have a lot of experience but at the same time it can be you know it can um it can you know trip you up because at the beginning when we began the the adventure of you know raising bilingual mm -hmm. um I didn't look it up I thought it's easy you know of course just speak to the child and that will be fine <laughs> and uh that's what yeah. that was a big mistake <laughs> it didn't work that way mm -hmm. so yeah. um it's been... tell us about that uh well we didn't you know as I mentioned earlier we thought okay let you know let daddy speaks Spanish mommy speaks English and that's it and we'll speak French together as a family and uh, <clears throat> obviously, I uh, I didn't look. Uh, yeah, obviously, I learned I learned the languages later as a as an older child. So it's not the same perspective um, mm -hmm. as a um, as a toddler. My daughter, my eldest, just thought, "Oh, well, mommy speaks French, daddy speaks French. So why should I bother speaking these other two weird languages?" You know, and mm -hmm. uh, she she became a passive trilingual, but she wouldn't speak. She said a few words there and there, a bit in Spanish but uh, <clears throat> hardly nothing in English. She was not uh, interested until one day <clears throat> when she was four, I started, you know, worrying and thinking maybe I should give up. Basically, I was really uh, thinking maybe I should give up on English. I couldn't give up on Spanish <clears throat> because of my, okay. uh, my in-law. Yeah. Um, but I thought, well, maybe I should concentrate our efforts on Spanish. But uh, I, I started reading and realized, you know, that the mistake for, in our case was having French at home. So one day I didn't say anything to my husband and I just started addressing my daughter in English all day long. Everything I said was in English and I spoke to my husband in English. And um, by the end of the day, she started trying to uh, answer in English. 
And I can wow. remember my husband looking at me and, you know, that eye contact, we thought, that's it. The penny dropped and we're like, okay, French out. Mm-hmm. You had an immediate result. That's amazing. Yeah, that was quite surprising. That's, I don't know what happened but, in my little head, but. Yeah. Uh, I think she was so, she's still so young at four. Like yeah. they're still so impressionable that they're just like, oh, okay, we're switching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, right. Yeah, probably that's that. That's amazing. Good thing you did it when you did. Mm. Look, yeah, I wish I had realized before, but there you go. Four was not bad. Oh. It was still good. Four was not bad either. Yeah. And you made, you know, this amazing blog. I don't know when you started exactly, but I'm sure lots of people have been influenced and affected and mm-hmm. you've helped so many people through mm-hmm. your writing. Trying to pass on everything, all that I've, all the help I, I got, or everything that I've been, you know, seeing because I like reading a lot about others' experiences and so on. I try, you know, to um, <clears throat> to include that in the blog and uh, making like a toolbox kind of thing, <laughs> trying to put mm-hmm. all the ideas in one post, and so other parents can uh, find help or ideas, yeah, it's inspiration, wonderful. and it's organized by tags, so you can find things. Like mm-hmm. I found, you have a tag about culture and there's a drop down to see different things about culture because I've been wondering about that recently mm-hmm. um, especially we live in America and we're trying to pass on Polish and Polish culture so like how do we do that when mm-hmm. they're not surrounded by it so yeah. that's a whole other topic but um, I'm just wondering if have you ever felt like you were losing one of your three languages uh, yeah well, I th- it always happens I think when you live um, in, a, in another country you know you just you're out of touch with it. So when I lived in Spain, for example, I always felt like uh, an outsider when I came back to France. I spoke the language, but at the same time, sometimes I missed words. I remember words, for example, I remember having dinner with my parents and I just couldn't find my word in French. And I ended up saying it in in Spanish. (laughs) It was, it's funny, you know, with the hints, I can see my parents staring at me. What is she trying to say? And then when I said the word in Spanish, like, oh, you mean that? Um, yeah. The and the same way, you know, conversely, same when I since I've been back in France, you know, especially before having my children, that when I met my husband, for example, my Spanish just fell drastically. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was very self-conscious when uh, when I met him, and I thought, but I've got you know to make the effort, and I've got to um, push myself. Um, mm-hmm. because I came, you know, from such a high level where people, you know, would sometimes, you know, mistaken, mistaken me for a native and suddenly I had that terrible accent and I was, you know, looking for my words and so on. So, yeah. Yeah. So it definitely is something that ebbs and flows. I think anyone who yeah. maintains It's something that lives. It's like, you know, I always say it's like a plant. A language is like a plant, you know, you've got to nurture it, but, you know, mm-hmm. feed it and so on. And um, that's what it is. And same with English. English, you know, um, now obviously having, because I write a lot with the blog and uh, mm-hmm. I use it a lot more now for for my home life, my ho- hobbies and so on, it's better. But uh, if you don't use it, you forget a lot. It's very true. Mm-hmm. Do you have any language goals for yourself? Do you have any other things you'd like to do? Any other languages or just like a certain level? Like, nothing I don't f- know, reading a certain novel in Spanish or something? Nothing formal, um, but I do at, at home anyway. I try uh, to read only in English and Spanish, gen- generally. <clears throat> a lot of English because that's the language I'm trying to pass on, but even Spanish because I don't want um, my Spanish you know, to, <clears throat> to disappear again. 
um, right. but nothing formal. Maybe uh, work a bit on a on a workbook, maybe for my Spanish, because I, I mm-hmm. still have doubts sometimes. And you know, I, sometimes you think, am I saying this right? You know, you, you've got doubts. Mm-hmm. So maybe working a bit on that. Your blog is full of tips, so I'm not even going to ask the question if you have any <laughs> any tip. But um, you guys switched. So would you say you switched from Opal to the minority language? Yeah. at home that's how I, I put it uh, sometimes people say oh but it's the same you're still doing opal yes i agree but um it's, it's a mix it's an opal yeah. minority language exactly <laughs> at the end of the day french is not welcome at home i mean we've put <clears throat> when my um when we switched when my eldest was four we put the little flags on our door on our entrance mm. door where we there's a little spanish and a little british flag <clears throat> to signal that that's the languages we speak at home. We explained to her what it meant. And there's mm-hmm. a little French flag on the back of the um, entrance of the um, main door. So as mm-hmm. she exits, she knows French is welcome again. Um, ah, so very visual. That's very visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, it worked pretty well. At the beginning, she did try a couple of times uh, to get some French back. And then I said, go and look at the door there. <laughs> Okay, I was going to ask, how did you how did you enforce that? Uh, well, the um, little flags, it's her who put them. We put them um, in a little envelope and we entrusted her with a mission. We explained to her she had to put the little flags. Well, we explained what they represented and she had to stick them on the door and so on. So she was all happy to have a mission. And uh, <clears throat> over time, you know, she did slip a few times um, I think volu- I think it was voluntarily, and we said no, 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 no. Go and see, you know, go and look at the little flags, you know, refresh your mm-hmm. memory, what they mean, and uh, and then eventually she just you know, let go of it, and uh, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't try to use French at home. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe more like words. So when she's got, you know, she can't remember at the end of the day, she's tired, and even though I've told her a hundred times what a folder is called in English, she'll forget. <laughs> so I have to- yeah. We can, yeah. we can be compassionate because I sometimes forget words. Yes. So. Even even my own father, he does not speak a word of French. But for some reason, he when we're talking about, you know, getting a pizza, he's like, oh, champignon, what is that in English? And he can't remember the word for mushroom, even though he doesn't speak any French. Um, so we all can have that. Mm-hmm. Um, even people who, <laughs> maybe, well, he speaks more than one language. But um how about when they have friends over? I mean, maybe not now during COVID, but in the past. Well, it, it, when they have friends, obviously, <clears throat> usually they're monolingual. Mm-hmm. We do uh, we do have a, f- uh, a few friends that do speak or uh, English, so on. But uh, when they're monolingual, whether they're their friends or our friends or my family and so on, we speak French. But they know that um, outside of that, you know, beside that, it's not welcome. We explain so it's common good. sense. We explain to them it's common sense. Not everybody speaks the same languages. So obviously we use French in these cases. And what about with your parents? So obviously with your husband's parents, that's just Spanish. Yes. Um, they visit. Yeah. How about how did your family take it? Like were they offended that you wanted to exclude your native tongue that they were so no. hard to teach you? No, because no. uh that we've you know, then They've we've got the same background, you know. We've lived abroad, and uh, they've you know I've been raised trilingually, and uh, they understood that, and they thought I was giving uh, a gift to the girls more than anything. At the beginning, what might have um, 
<clears throat> shocked them a bit was when I started excluding excluding French formally. And when she was four, when my eldest was four, and we said that's it, it was French. Please try not to get French books. Try to find other things that you know got no language on it, or you know. Then yes, they thought. I think I think they thought maybe I was a bit excessive. Yeah, um, but they respected it. And uh, now that this the girls speak, they're like I think they're really happy that um, that I pushed through, and they're not questioning. Mm -hmm. And that's a good message I think yeah. for parents that might be hearing you know, pushback um, from family or mm -hmm. the community in some way that, you know, you really should teach them. In our case, it would be English or in your case, French. Um, mm -hmm. You know, stick to your guns, stick to your principles. Yeah. This is what you think is the best for your family. It, you know, it's your family at the end of the day. These are your little people. It's your <laughs> choice of it. Exactly. It's your choice of education. I mean, there's not just bilingual education. You've got, you know, Montessori techniques and you've got, you know, uh, positive education and God knows what. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you choose the kind of education you want to give to your children. So you wouldn't feel guilty of using Montessori in your um, home education. So why should you feel guilty of raising uh, bilingual? It's just another kind yeah. of education. That is a wonderful point, yeah. And mm -hmm. people, you know, don't bat an eyelash if it's walled off or Montessori, mm -hmm. just like these different types. Mm -hmm. um, that is, that's really great. Um, I'd like to ask you about trips. Do you guys make trips to Spain? You yeah. are pretty close. Do you go to England? Do you have friends that you can visit there? We concentrate on Spain. We go uh, twice a year. We don't go to the UK. There's also a question of budget. The UK's, uh, mm -hmm. I'd love to. <laughs> I'm very, very sad. I haven't been there since I've had my kids. So I'm very sad because I absolutely love the UK. But the budget is not the same. Um, so, and... We'll see if the opportunity comes up. Yes, we'd love to, to go there one day. But uh, the priority has mm -hmm. been Spanish because even though we've got two minority languages, Spanish will always be the utmost priority um, because there's, uh, you know, that's my husband's identity. That's my in-law's identity. That's the language, the only language they can communicate, communicate in with my, uh, my daughters. So it's that's really important. Yeah, I 100% understand that mm -hmm. because I always wanted to raise my kids in French mm -hmm. and I met my husband in Polish and we decided to focus on Polish right mm -hmm. now. Um, I'm doing a little bit of French with them, but it's mm -hmm. not, we wanted them to have a good base with Polish because mm -hmm. we don't have any French speakers here. Mm -hmm. It's just the language I love. Mm -hmm. However, we have tons of friends with kids that are all from Poland. We have his family 20 minutes away. Um, so I feel the same way that like there is, you do have to kind of rate them and put them in a, an order um, yeah. if you have more than two um, but even the two you could put you know this is the top priority this is the second mm -hmm. uh, and how about any traditions is there anything that your your kids are able to partake in um, because they speak Spanish you know maybe going over there mm -hmm. well usually the <clears throat> the three wise men because in Spain they not they don't celebrate for Father uh, Christmas as much as uh, we do in other parts of the world. They do, the presents are usually given on the sixth um, of uh, January, mm -hmm. the night of the, uh, of the sixth to the seventh, and um, the girls can understand that. And when they go, um, when we go at Christmas, usually we try. Depends on how the uh, the school timetable, um, school holidays fall, right. but mm -hmm. usually. We try to arrange so they stay behind uh, with their grandparents, and my uh, in-laws will take them to all the you know celebrations that go on, and uh, the presents, the big presents will usually 
uh, arrive in the night of the 6th to the 7th of January. There might be a little gift on the 24th of December, you know, just to say Father Christmas mm -hmm. came, but uh, it's mainly... The, Interesting. Huh. The three wise men. I knew that holiday but i didn't know it was so much bigger than christmas so no, that's interesting huge yeah <laughs> yeah i think there's just so many examples you could probably give us of mm. just everything every time they're there they can just full fully partake in all of the things happening mm -hmm. that's awesome um do you have any specific resources that i know you post a lot on your instagram so i'll link up to that so people can see mm -hmm. but is there anything specific that you guys are always trying to do or always trying to get I, says, I think what I try to do is really live the life you know all the home life in the minority languages so it's I can't claim there's something really special what's really special is the fact that when you walk through my front door we switch language but you know even before that you know the girls and I'm not used to it and when I pick them up at school they know that I'll only address them, you know, in English. So they know that, or if mm -hmm. it's their father, it's in Spanish. So they already know that. That's really um, that routine, you know, the fact that at home it's these languages. And then everything we do, like a normal family, a lot of reading. We've got loads of books. <laughs> I've been a bit heavy-handed on the quantity of books at home. Um, That's wonderful, though. Yeah. And is it easy know. to find books? Uh, your three languages. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the main languages, you know, if, uh, if I had a, um, you know, a rare language, that would be a lot more difficult. Um, but mm -hmm. Spanish and English is very easy. And uh, with Amazon, it's, you know, I've got no problems. <laughs> they come to my door, literally. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, fantastic. Yeah, so really, it's just books, loads of, uh, you know, music. And I, I use a lot of streaming, uh, so... We've, we only watch, you know, telly in, uh, in English and Spanish because we've got Netflix mm -hmm. and uh, we've got um, we've got uh, Disney Plus and uh, even the on my uh, normal uh, telly package, I've taken a few uh, options, you know, Spanish telly options and so on. The radio, uh, I'll listen to any radio, um, you know, from the UK or from Spain. Um, podcast is the same. Uh, Spotify, my girls are in love with Spotify, so that's brilliant. <laughs> Can't wait till my kids get older and have their, yeah. they're just starting to get their preferences. Well, when but... they get used to it, the fact that I've always put, um, I've always tried to create that um, audio background, you know, in Spanish and English, they, they now they seem to be so used to it that if it's quiet, they'll go and get the, the tablet and put uh, Spotify on. <laughs> And they know that it can't be in French. So now with Spotify, you know, got used to the fact it's always Spanish or English. So we don't have any more French music being offered <laughs> when we connect. So um, same with the Netflix. They look and they're like, oh, gosh, no, it's in French. No, <laughs> I don't think they're happy, but they, at least they respect <laughs> the house rule. But if they go to a friend's, maybe they can watch it over there. Yeah, so. probably. They really need to watch something specific. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you mentioned they have some friends that speak English. Um, yeah. Do they have any friends or cousins that speak Spanish? That they yes. Can at least see over there. We've got uh, two. Oh, well, they've got two cousins that are uh, three cousins. Sorry, that um, speak Spanish only. So they get yeah, to practice. Like yeah. Kids, yeah, they have to have that interaction with other kids. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what about between the two of them? 
since they have two languages at home to choose from that's, when you overhear them playing. That's really funny, <laughs> actually. It's really funny because uh, I've got one that prefers English and the other one prefers Spanish. So. <laughs> oh. Now, which one, the older or the younger? The oldest prefers Spanish and the youngest prefers English. So it's really funny. You were saying how before you started the uh, No French she was saying more words in Spanish, even from that young age. Yes, I think it's linked to the um, relationship she uh, she has with her dad. You know, but how children mm. always have a stronger bond with one parent more than the okay. other. And my eldest is uh, such a strong bond with her dad, so I'm not surprised that it's Spanish. And the youngest has mm-hmm. a stronger yeah. bond with me, so I'm not surprised that she prefers English. Mm-hmm. Actually, and so how does that look when they're do they just one speak Spanish one speak English and they, since they both understand both is that just how they play I think it depends on the, lang- the language they used at the beginning so usually this oh. plain English I uh, don't know why it's usually I think maybe the little one will switch to you know will use English and then uh, the other one follows I'm not too sure but uh, mm-hmm. if there's my husband around and uh, they were speaking to him and they go off playing, then they might go off and play in Spanish. So, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So they do both. They do both, yeah. So they really do both. I wouldn't be able to... Uh, I, I can't explain what triggers, really, um, the language. I think it's what they hear. Mm-hmm. Because yesterday we were over at a fr- uh, friend's house um, they're, they're a French-Spanish, um, Franco-Spanish couple. And it was mm-hmm. funny because one minute the girls, because they've got a little girl too, one minute they spoke in French and one minute they spoke in Spanish. And I think it, it was what they heard mm-hmm. behind in the background. So if we spoke with the dad, we spoke in French, so they heard French and they'd switch. And if they heard us speaking Spanish uh, to his wife, then they'd, um, they'd switch to Spanish. Yeah. That is funny. Yeah. yeah. And... They're probably not even conscious. They're probably just, yeah. if they come up with an idea and they think of the word gato in Spanish, they're like, okay, let's pretend we're cats. And exactly. I think. Like whatever it comes in their mind. Exactly. So, I don't think they realize it just switch because it's so natural. They're just used to it. Oh, okay. That word switch. Mm-hmm. And have you ever noticed them maybe forgetting a word or putting the wrong word in the wrong language? Uh, it's never, I wouldn't say it's a wrong word. I think it's always a conscious choice that they make. Oh, okay. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think uh, I'm, I haven't got a fantastic memory, I'm afraid. So at the moment, at least, um, I would say it's a deliberate choice. When they say it, it's because they don't remember the word, that language. And it's a bit of a cue for me to, uh, especially when it's a French word, like my eldest, when she forgets folder in her sentence you know uh, I think it's a bit of a cue because she knows I'm going to you know pounce and say folder folder <laughs> uh-huh. so when they were smaller I, I'm, I'm not convinced it was a mistake I think they just know they you know children are pragmatic and they just got a blank and they just head for the what they remember you know uh, yeah I think it's not, um, I'm not convinced it's a mistake. mistake. From what I remember as a kid, now I was an older kid, an older trilingual kid, but when, from what I remember, it's more, you know, switching, it's a code switching, it's a conscious Mm -hmm. choice. I can't remember that word. I'll go and pick it in another language. I'll give you another option. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And usually it's always with somebody who speaks this language. So, for example, I would never mm-hmm. code switch with somebody who did not speak, you know, uh, for example, French. I wouldn't code switch in that case. 
And I think the, the kids are a bit, a bit like that. I've never seen them code switching, for example, uh, with their grandparents, for example. Yeah, because they know they can't. Exactly. That is, that's right. And they know yeah. because my little one, I remember my little one saying to her granddad last year, but granddad, why is it you don't speak English? Why is it you don't speak? Uh, yeah, or why is it you, don't, you only speak Spanish? I think that's what she said. Mm-hmm. She's conscious of that. That's a good lesson for yeah. them as well, that there are people who only speak one there's people that speak two there's people that speak three like them mm-hmm. so. exactly do you have any proud bilingual parenting moments or your own proud bilingual moment or trilingual in your case i think i've got uh, several of them with my kids uh, i think the one that was mm-hmm. the best it's a bit of a karma thing you know when it comes around <laughs> We had um, a friend who was a bit uh, skeptical about uh, raising our oldest at the time. Because uh, at the time, only had my eldest. He was a bit skeptical about all this, and um, uh, he had witnessed that my eldest would only speak French. And then he came over to dinner, and uh, it was at the time when we operated that change, and my eldest started speaking. And my daughter walks in with a plate and she says to me, ah, daddy says, and she said in English, daddy says to give the plate to our guest or whatever it was. And the mm-hmm. jaw dropping was hilarious. It was like in a cartoon, the jaw dropped, yes. the eyes popping out. And he was absolutely mm-hmm. gobsmacked. And it was really, really nice. funny. It was brilliant. Uh, so it was... Yeah karma going around I didn't say anything I didn't ask for it mm-hmm. but it felt good because, that's wonderful yeah exactly we <laughs> hear so many times you know as bilingual parents we always hear ah it's not going to work what are you doing this for oh, it's ridiculous yep. and um it felt so good because that person that was one of these you know, individuals that would you know snigger a bit and uh, laugh I mean mm-hmm. I, I like him very much but that was that is extremely hurtful uh, as a bilingual parent to hear you know that uh, mm-hmm. you're not taken seriously so when um they witness that and their jaw dropped it's just fantastic that is an amazing bilingual parenting moment mm-hmm. and i'm so glad it was with that person yeah um, just to prove them wrong <laughs> exactly that's so great and it is it can be a, a definite uphill battle um <laughs> every day <laughs> and also you're teaching well, do you consider English your native language or do you consider your teaching a non-native language to your daughters? Uh, I, I'm in between the two. <laughs> I'm a hybrid. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Especially since I'm back in France, obviously French has taken, all, has taken over and uh, it's really, you know, um, present in my mind. But I'm still very comfortable with English and uh Obviously, sometimes I, you know, have doubts and uh, it's probably lack of, you know, of confidence more than anything. Because more often than not, when I check, when I ask a friend or on, uh, on a language group and, and so on, I'm usually right. So it's more a question of, uh, of confidence. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I consider I'm almost there. <laughs> a quasi-native, as I say. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good term, quasi-native. I just know you posted, um, you had a blog post about... I think it was 15 maybe yeah. or 10, um, 10 or 15 things for non-native parents um, and that just spoke to my heart like every single one mm. just like made me like feel so seen and so mm. I don't know just like happy like I am doing the, the right yeah. thing um, because I am teaching my kids uh, a non-native language that I'm not mm-hmm. quasi-native at all in um, I only started learning it when I met my husband so but it's, been, it's fantastic so much yeah I think so many people 
that listen to this podcast could get so much from your blog. Mm -hmm. There's just amazing stuff out there. So mm -hmm. please go check um, Amy's blog out after you or while you're listening. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it is definitely a struggle and there's pushback from all, all, all angles. My family sometimes pushes back because my mom doesn't understand mm -hmm. my youngest who only speaks Polish. Mm -hmm. like, Why? You got English to her and I, I just know like exactly what your experience was. Like if we left that, that community language in, it's going to be hard to kick it out. It's going to be complicated, especially once they start schooling. Um, it just stifles everything. And it's like that wild plant that takes over everything. And, I, you know, it's French is my native language and I love it very much. I didn't kick it out uh, because, I, you know, I don't like it. But um, it was clear that it was just stifling the minority languages. And uh, when my eldest started school, the little she spoke in the minority languages... That was it. After that, it was, you know, just almost only French, really. So You compare it to an innovation yeah, plan. That's I think it. that is such a good analogy. Mm -hmm. Because it is. It just We like both of these things, but it'll take over. Mm -hmm, exactly. <laughs> it's finally striking a balance, really. And our kids are not able. That's what People shouldn't feel guilty. Sometimes people feel bad about it. But um, we do it for their own good. They're too small uh, right now to understand, you know, how to strike a balance to make an effort because often children, you know, like to stay in their comfort zone. It's natural. Who doesn't? And it's so, right. um, you know, we're trying to nudge them that, ex you know, that extra little mile, you know, and come on, make a little effort and use the minority language. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not, um, we don't do it out of pleasure, but it's really because otherwise French is everywhere. If I leave, you know, French telly, you know, if I leave the telly as it is, it's French telly all day long. I see it with my eldest, you know, if I allow a French book, goodness, she, at, at, at the beginning, now she seems to get the message, but at the beginning, oh my goodness, it was only French books all over the place. I'm like, but this can't be, you can't be reading French all the time, you know, especially you're schooled in French, so you read French all day long too. You know, eventually I had to put, you know, um, things clearly, you know, and say, look, you can, uh, okay, you have to read in French because oh, I can't let her you know, uh, not, yeah. not, you know, not reading French, you know, I don't want her falling behind her classmates, but at the same time, you've got to make the effort and uh, read some of your English and Spanish books. So it's striking a balance. And she's learning that now she's eight. She's starting to understand uh, that you know, we've got mm -hmm. to strike a balance. Yeah. I don't know what age the balance can come because I kind of compare it to like if my child, um, especially my oldest, he's pickier. If I let him choose what to eat, he would eat just bread exactly. and cookies all day. That's <laughs> so like oldest parents is to help them, Absolutely. you know, eat a balanced diet. And in this linguistic sense to keep a balance between their languages, because they would pick whatever is the least, you know, the easiest path. Exactly. So if they hear French in school and all their friends speak French, you know, that would be the easiest exactly. path for their daughters. So it's, it's part of our role. Mm -hmm. We are the parents for a reason they will grow up eventually and make their own choices but right now they're little um, and they're learning they're learning to do that on their own exactly i would love it if you could teach us a word um and maybe say it in both spanish and french because we're speaking english um so that you know the people listening could hear Oof, a word in both yeah. languages <laughs> i hadn't anticipated that <laughs> um i i had thought of a word Spanish, but that does not exist in the other two, and that's why um, I thought it was 
Okay, well, teach us that word then. You could do a different word. Okay. Um, So in Spanish, it was the word estrenar, which uh, does not exist as a word um, in the other languages. So it means to wear or to use something for the first time. We don't have, uh, it's it's one word was, um, if you said it in English, as I said, to use for the first time, you've got like uh, five words there. And if it were in French, it would be the same. It would be porté pour la première fois, utilisé pour la première fois. So it would be uh, quite a few words. So I always find that word quite uh, interesting. Yeah, no, that is a really cool mm-hmm. word. And um, well, in French, uh, I thought the, uh, the other day somebody mentioned it, and it was funny. It was the word uh, dis donc. It's an expression, dis donc. Uh, and same, quite a bit. You know, it's not so easy to translate. I was looking it up the other day in the dictionary, yeah. and they said, hey, as in, you know, calling out as in, hey, but can also be said, oh, mm-hmm. well, I never, I would have, you know, I would have never guessed. No, yeah, it's, it depends on the first, whatever someone says, mm-hmm. and you're reacting, mm-hmm. your reaction is, didonk, but like, what, it depends what the person said, yeah. I guess. That is a very French uh, expression, yeah. That's a uh, somebody mentioned it the other day, and it made me smile because I, I, I use it without realizing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't use it a lot, but if I do, I don't. I've never, you know, stopped and thought about it. I think I've heard it translated as like "come on now," or like "oh, come on." Yeah, <laughs> could be "come on now." Yeah, it has a lot of translations. Yeah, absolutely. That was the two words I thought of. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I feel like I've exhausted my. Questions, but... <laughs> uh, well, nothing really apart like, don't you know to all. Uh, to all the bilingual parents out there uh, that have doubts, don't uh, don't give up. It will get better at some point. Uh, that's uh, that's really the message. That's why I've got the blog uh, too, is to mm-hmm. uh, you know really help other parents just not to give up because it would be a shame and you'll regret it and your kids will reproach it to you once you're older. Yeah. So uh, I know it's hard. So uh, it's a matter of you know finding what works for you and um, and uh, finding inspiration too. Uh, it takes a lot of time sometimes, you know, to, uh, you've got to be a lot, you know, on the internet. I think social media, fortunately, social media mm-hmm. enables us, you know, to communicate uh, as a community of bilingual parents and uh, uh, supporting one another and yeah. uh, providing inspiration. So go out there, uh, but don't give up. It would be such a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, find your people, find some more inspiration. Exactly. And I think there are a lot of passive bilinguals. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's, that's still better than nothing. Yeah. Um, but I do think, you know, it, it then goes on your, your child's shoulders. Do they want to mm-hmm. work towards that as an adult? And I feel like many times uh, children might not grow up to be an adult who wants to, you know, study a language now as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not bad to be passively bilingual, but yeah, I think your message of don't give up, it is going to be challenging, mm-hmm. um, but it'll be worth it. It'll definitely be worth it in the end. To have them be active like you you worked on getting your daughter from passive to mm-hmm. active and it's a huge it's a huge switch and it makes it it'll be so much harder if you wait yeah. because then we get more self-conscious and we just it's so much more effort to try and speak um just thinks it becomes such a bigger challenge the longer we yeah, wait definitely and the 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 bigger they'll get they'll be, become more conscious as you said and that will be harder <clears throat> that will become uh, you know that that um it will become more challenging for us to make them switch. So yeah. don't give up. Keep going, and um, find your community to support you, and mm-hmm. um, and get ideas. And at least you won't regret. Even if it yeah. doesn't work out, 
at least you've tried. You've got, you know, you won't have uh, regrets at least, uh, on, you know, of not having tried, of not having done. Very true. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have, the ball is out of your court. You've done everything you could. Mm-hmm. You know, as parents, we always do our mm-hmm. best. Um, even if we feel like at the end of the, the day, maybe it wasn't enough, but it's like, okay, that was the best I could give on that day. Absolutely. So yeah, don't don't beat yourself up mm-hmm. if you only spent an hour speaking your target language. Mm-hmm. You know, you can build up and start with a few minutes, 20 minutes, you know, work your way up to eventually, you know, it would be great to have like you're doing the whole day. Mm-hmm. When you enter your house and you speak to mom, you speak in English. Um, sure, that's you know an ideal, but if you're not there yet, you know, work your mm-hmm. way up. Um, trying to introduce more French and we are not there. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking a full day for them in French, but I would love mm-hmm. to be. Um, and I'm not going to get down on myself for not being there yet. Um, but I'm going to, you know, work on building, building their vocabulary, building their understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in that boat with me trying to add a language, um, stay tuned. I'll keep talking about mm-hmm. it because my little experience <laughs> of teaching them more French is ongoing. But I am seeing like, they know the songs now we started with music, um, which is so wonderful, because they'll just listen and repeat. Um, but yeah, just getting them to to that point you know it's 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 a journey it's not going to happen within a exactly day. it's and it's a journey of many years it's not just you know when mm-hmm. the child is a baby it takes many years i mean my daughters speak now but if i stop you know if i get lazy now and start switching you know to french uh, from time to time then you know mm-hmm. maybe the whole thing will collapse and uh, they start using just french and forget what they've learned so it's a it's a really long term journey, so don't uh, don't give up now because you know you're at the beginning. You're, you've got to find every family is different, so you've got to find what works for you. What worked for me might not be what works for you, but you've got you know to, to try and you know dig information, find out about other families, how other families do it, and maybe there'll be one you think, hey, maybe that will work, you know, because of this or this. Mm-hmm. It will. It's the same, you know, set up and. My kid is just, you know, a bit the same like this child. Maybe it will work. And try it. It's try and error. There's no um, right or wrong. It's just prescriptive. Yeah. Exactly. You just got to try and see what works for you. Yeah. I think a lot of information from what I've seen is everybody promotes open yeah. as like the best method. Yeah. But, you know, you, if it doesn't work for your family, be willing exactly. to change. Actually, so, uh, apparently there's a study that demonstrated that uh, it's minority language at home that's got better results. If you read um, Adam Beck's um, Maximize, Maximize oh. Your Child's Bilingual Ability, he mentions a study by mm-hmm. Anne de Hoover, and she did a study in Belgium, which is a bilingual country, and she studied um, biling- the bilingual families there. And apparently it's minority mm-hmm. language at home that's got better rates about... Uh, 80 something 80 percent uh 82 or 85 percent i think and uh opal came second uh so it's not um there's not just opal in the world i'm not saying opal doesn't work careful but i'm just saying that other methods other strategies so don't you know uh just don't limit yourself to opal a look right yeah if something is not working get on the computer and start Mm -hmm. researching what other methods try there's there's lots of methods out there and one of my first podcasts talked about different uh, methods of raising mm-hmm. bilingual kids there's definitely not just exactly the well, thank you i we learned a lot um this is an awesome episode and i hope um i hope more people will come and visit you on the interweb yes, yes. <laughs> on your instagram and your 
on your various blogs. And yeah, I hope we can stay in touch. I've learned a lot from you. <laughs> well, thank you. It was wonderful. And uh, yes, stay well. And I hope your kids keep progressing. Bon continuation. <laughs> that, there's not a good like, way to say that. No, one of these uh, one of these expressions that we have uh, that each language has, you know, and that we can't translate. Yeah, well, that's mm. definitely French has. Well, I'm partial. French is my favorite <laughs> language. So. Obviously, when we have a favorite one, we concentrate a lot on it, and uh, we don't maybe we we're not yeah. as uh, you know we don't pay as much attention as to others. I think. Yeah. I think I definitely ignore all the beauty of English. I take it for granted because it's just the language that I've always spoken. I think if I were a student of English, I would feel very differently. I'll tell you, I, French for me is, okay, it's my mother tongue, but it's not, you know, well, it doesn't sound bad, but, you know, I'm not sensitive to it really. I don't, you know, I don't have, it's just another language. I think probably, just a language. you know, it loses its magic <laughs> when it's your native language. Yeah, we don't have that that view from standing a few mm. feet away to really enjoy. Mm. It was a pleasure chatting. Thank you, Heather, for inviting me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the pleasure was all mine. I'm very excited to share your story and very inspirational for me. You're the ideal guest that I've been looking for for the podcast is like somebody farther down the road mm. than me who I can, you know, mm. learn from because um, my kids are only one and a half yeah. and three. It's often so, not like that. Just that like... <laughs> when they're tiny. Like they're not mm. in school. So I don't know how that's going to go, which is why I was like, I just start this podcast and interview mm-hmm. people just like you. Like, I know we're out there. We're just scattered. Yeah, all exactly. Over the well, that's what's nice about the internet. We managed to create a community and, yeah. uh, and talk and support ourselves. I think that's really what I really helped you was the support when, yeah, when I felt exactly. like just maybe leave English out. That's how, mm-hmm. That really helps. Luckily you mm-hmm. didn't. And you've got successful trilingual children. So it's just, yeah, it's such an inspirational story. I hope to get my kids up there speaking French one day. <laughs> oh, once they start, you know, with one language after, I think it's going to be a lot easier. Yeah, they already repeat the songs. They'll just sing them to themselves. Like if we've listened to French songs, they'll just be like playing and singing. It, it's really exactly. quite and they pick, And they, they're going to pick up and they're, you know, it's just a lot easier. You know, I started learning German um, when I was 19. I decided I wanted to, to learn another language. Unfortunately... Mm-hmm through lack of practice and, uh, you know, with, you know, having kids, I've completely stopped now. Um, but it's, I thought yeah. it was a lot um, easier than if I, uh, I hadn't spoken another language. For example, I'm not scared of making mistakes. If you learn, you know, we're, we're talking about being conscious. If you learn a language as an, yeah. as an adult or as a teenager, you're really conscious. I don't care if I, you know, if I make mistakes in German, never mind. I've tried, you know, and I've, and I've said it, and uh, yeah. and I learn, you know, along the way. And it's uh, also, you know, when you, when you try to communicate in language, you, I think it's better to try and think in that language to avoid oh, yeah. getting confused. And even in German, when I learned it, I remember in my head thinking, you know, having this um, sentence, you know, it, uh, constructing my sentence in German in my head. And not relying on French or what have you. So it's it's really an asset. So your children, I'm convinced, even if they don't learn French French right now, even they they really start later. Mm-hmm. The fact that they already are bilingual, it will be a lot easier. I think you're completely right that it helps 
it'll eventually help them that are monolingual mm. all the time. And I would sometimes have students that were already mm. bilingual and they seek to pick the language yeah. up much quicker. And on the side, I taught um, English in Bretagne mm -hmm. and I was in Morlaix, which is mm -hmm. in Finisterre, like way at the... Right at the um, end. Well, I taught in one school in particular that was um, a bilingual Breton mm -hmm. and French. And kids, I taught in four schools. That school, those kids picked it up they picked up English so mm -hmm. much quicker than the other three schools that were yeah. monolingual French. Um, you know, yeah. um, and those, they, they just had that capacity mm -hmm. already. And they, the pathways in their brain or something were already connected. And they were just like, oh yeah, c'est moi, bonjour, hello. Like it was just so mm -hmm. easy for them. Like, oh, we'll just add another mm -hmm. language. It's a lot easier when, uh, when you've got that language, that mm -hmm. extra language. So seriously, I wouldn't worry about French, just keep keep going and uh, with what you're doing and you'll see so, uh, little by little they'll pick it up <laughs> we'll keep at it oh, well. appreciate it I'm, it was really nice it's always lovely to um to be able to discuss the topic and it was lovely uh, having the chance to uh, talk to you <laughs> i agree i am always looking for friends who want to sit and talk <laughs> language with me more so it's great it's great to find other like-minded My apologies as my interview with Amy got a little chopped off at the end, but I hope that you enjoyed our discussion and got as much out of it as I did. If you do want to learn more about Amy and what she's doing, um, head over to the show notes. I've put links to her two blogs and her Instagram in there, as well as to the Polyglot Conference and Langfest. If for some reason you can't find the show notes, um, you can just find Amy at Amy underscore our ml home so that's o-u-r-m-l h-o-m-e um, her blog is called the same thing our ml home so that stands for minority language and her french blog is notre maison bilingue um, and polyglot conference and langfest as well you can just type into google um, langfest is l-a-n-g-f-e-s-t Thank you so much for listening and uh, stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.